Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Tanya Talks, where your voice is heard and your stories told on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke's 89.9 KLRB, KLRB FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio in Oklahoma and the surrounding areas. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've, you know, missed a couple of shows over the holidays and, well, we took a hiatus, let's put it that way, and... You know, we're back in full gear, and, um, you know, we've got, as you had heard uh, on, um, you know, the last few shows where we had the the Bulls uh, who are looking to get their children back from DHS, um, that uh, we had a great meeting with, uh, or what is perceived to be a great family meeting. It's like an annual meeting, and I was a part of that meeting, and we came out of there looking at a year for them to get their kids back, and it, then it was uh, reduced down to looking at four to six weeks. Well, we'll see. We will see. So that's an update on the, the bulls. We will see if DHS keeps their word and everybody's in agreement. Uh, they do have a hearing for people who are following their story. They do have a hearing on February First, so we'll see how that goes, and I will keep you up to date. Uh, tonight, uh, tonight we have a, a couple from a little town in New Hampshire uh, coming on with us, and this is a new series. And uh, we have Steve and Renee Patton, and I'll introduce them in, in, in just a couple minutes. We have Steve and Renee Patton uh, who are coming on, who's beautiful daughter, uh, her life was lost back in November 8th, 2019, and there has been essentially, um, you know, no real um, true closure. I don't know if you can ever really get closure with the loss of your own child, but there's been no closure uh, regarding the, um, you know how she wound up where she was and um, and she never would have been there if there were or not criminal circumstances that were taking place. Um, they believe there's a belief that she was abducted. Uh, everything leads to that, uh, and uh, and we're going to go through this story. Um, thoroughly uh, and explain to you why we're looking for your support, why we're looking for your phone calls uh, to the governor uh, in in North Carolina to ask that a proper investigation be done and just all the details that are involved, okay? Uh, but before I introduce Steve and Renee, Tonight's show is brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed in the annual Whistleblower Summit in Washington, D.C., as well as Journeys to Justice, a non-for-profit. Well, Renee and Steve, we know each other because we're from the same area, and um, so I'm going to disclose that. Um, I'm, I'm not really going to ask you how are you, because I don't think that would be an appropriate question. But I'd like to say on behalf of everybody who's listening, we're so sorry for your loss. And um, Steve and Renee, good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Tanya. It's, um, yeah, we're, uh, it's been a long time since we've seen you. We certainly hope you're well. Um, 
and uh, yes, it's, uh, we feel that this is a tremendous opportunity to share Morgan's story. Um, any opportunity is fantastic to share Morgan's story, but this one is uh, near and dear to us because you, you knew Morgan. That's how, that's how we met. Our kids yeah. were uh, about the same age. Yeah. And yeah. the parent-teacher organization, the, the haunted houses that we planned together at Halloween, the youth sports programs, that's, that's, that's how we know you. That's how we met you. Yeah. And, uh, We're in love with our kids. We're in love with the community's kids. We're in love with community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's uh, most of most of the people that have surrounded us in this tragedy. Um, we we owe to Morgan, right. you included. So thank you for this opportunity. Well, um, thank you, thank you for coming on. And you know, this is the the last reason in the world that I would ever want to be reunited uh, with. You two, wonderful couple, and salt of the earth, uh, as you know. Um, but uh, but let's talk about what happened, and um, and let's get, let's get started with let's talk a little bit about Morgan. Who was Morgan? Where was she at in life prior to this happening? Uh, I want to add that the personal touch to it so that our listeners can understand just who Morgan was. So when it gets time to, you know, how she, when she was in Applebee's and how she wound up in the truck, people will understand this just is not right. So, um, but let's talk about where she was living and her engagement and and something about her personality, some things about her personality. I know she always had a smile on her face, and she was so, so um, friendly but reserved. That's a good way to describe her, friendly and reserved. Um, Morgan was, uh, as, as you know, she was our only child. Um, we... Uh, we did everything we could for her. I, I, coming from a, a middle-class family, you know, when I say we did everything we could for her, we we taught her the lesson of upward mobility. You know, I, I came, my upbringing and Renee's upbringing was uh, a little less than middle-class families, and we... Uh, did everything we could for her and taught her what it was worth and said, you know, it, it's all about giving the next generation more opportunity. That's what life is yeah. about as we progress. Yeah. She understood it. and she, she understood it at a young age. She understood it very young. She certainly did. So um, she appreciated it, she, it at a young age too then, didn't she? She did. Mm-hmm. Um Morgan, so Morgan, when she graduated high school, she she wanted to, initially, she wanted to go somewhere exotic for college, you know. She wanted to be in California or New York or in Florida. Um, she got a great scholarship, I'm sorry, scholarship to Colby Sawyer College, right 15 miles. And... When we sat down and made a decision, she said, you know, this makes, she agreed. She said, this makes sense. The scholarship required that she live on campus. Um, she said, so I can, I can get the college experience and I can drive home if I want to on the weekend. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, Florida and California just kind of like fell by the wayside. It didn't really matter. <laughs> it didn't really matter. She, she just she realized that it made sense. Yeah. And uh, so she did her her freshman year at Colby Sawyer College, right here in New London, New Hampshire. Uh, she came home every week. Almost yeah, almost every weekend, and she brought a bunch of friends from her 
dormitory home with her, and they, they I'm telling you. We fed them a lot of food. We fed them, yes. <laughs> Girls right. eat. Well, you're, you're a go-to home. You That's what your home is very open and friendly. You're the go-to home, and you'd rather have your 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 kids bring kids home than be elsewhere, yeah. right? Even, and yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely, yeah. and I enjoyed it every minute. So you know, yeah. so it was great to have her nearby and have her friends coming here for home cooked meals, and we loved every one of them. Uh, we still keep in contact with a few of them. So mm -hmm. after Morgan's freshman year at Colby Sawyer College, she told us that she she didn't want to go back. Um, she thought that they were – she didn't see the value in it. She wanted to get a job. And she wanted to do her – finish college online through Southern New Hampshire University. Um, she just, and she did. She didn't want the distraction of life. And wow. I was nervous. I was incredibly nervous about it. I said, hey, Morgan, that takes a lot of self-determination. That takes a lot of a lot of drive to accomplish what you're saying you, you want to do. And her response was, yeah, I know. I got this. <laughs> she did. Just like everything else in her life, she did. She, she knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. She worked full time. It, she, that's when she moved away from home. She moved down from our little town in New Hampshire down to Hyannis, Massachusetts, the central, you know, mid-Cape, Cape Cod. Beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. Worked, got herself a great job, and got a geoscience degree with a focus on yeah. energy through Southern New Hampshire University. She, she did it. She was the first person in my my lineage to earn a college degree, and I could not have been more proud of not only that she did it, but how she did it. Wow. So she did get she did get out of the little town. She lived in a beautiful area, and and so she she so she was happy with that. Went online, didn't see the value of paying the big bucks at Colby Sawyer. Got her degree and and was living on her own. And what what she just wanted to go to Hyannis, or did she know people there? So her cousin was there, and she's like, "I'll go down and visit." Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And wow. She's she's like, I got this. I'm going down there. I'm going to do this, and I got this, and she really. That's where Morgan grew up. I mean, she she lived here, and she, yeah. but she she actually became an adult. Yes. On Cape Cod with her cousin Jenny. She wow. uh, she stepped it up. She became a contributing citizen to the world. She just Morgan just flourished down there. Um, Amazed me every day. Yes. And, and you know what's pretty neat, though, is yet she was still within distance. She wanted to come home a few hours away. So oh, there's that did. peace of mind right there. She did. We loved it when she came home. She came home, uh, you know, she planned some – of course, she came back to ski in the winter because she yeah, had, Mount had uh, yeah. been a ski instructor through all through high school up at Mount Sanofi. Um, so she loved to come back and ski. And she did that every opportunity she could. Um, she she let she would come back to hike through the summertime just to get into the mountains. She, you know, yeah. she was torn between she loved the ocean and she loved the mountains just as much. Uh, fortunately, she was in a great spot where it was a couple hours. Yeah. She could be at either one. Um, so in reading in re, in reading your your blog and can you please give um our listeners the the name of your blog and it's in and it's in the promo too uh for anybody who's listening through the pro through the promo you know it's can you give them the uh the site but uh 
uh, of your of your um, of your blog, and then I'm going to ask a, a question about that. You know, the, the whole the mouse, the mouse. <laughs> of course, of course. So Morgan's story, um, and there are we have a lot of information from honestly from Morgan's birth um, up until her tragic death and beyond on this website and the in the blog site which is Morgan's Miles to Go all one word dot com um, and we 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 don't update it weekly or biweekly or bimonthly it's just any time that there's the urge to share something we hop on there and we we uh, we mm-hmm. tell another story yeah the progress and the and also just so much about Morgan and just how special she still remains and forever will to you. Um, but her nickname throughout middle school, throughout her years, became Mouse because she was relatively shy, correct, and reserved. Yes. yes. And uh, our mutual friend, Holly, is the one that gave her that nickname. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I think that was uh, somewhere around first grade. Is Morgan was just very quiet, and you know, she was. She Morgan tried to be involved, but she was. She was. She was the young child who just observed what everybody was doing and to see where she could fit into the scene. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Morgan. And so and so you share in the blog where she kind of came out and she grew confident and she was no longer you, you know she became very much an ad, an advocate but still in in that reserved respectful way. So um so she's still a very cautious person um but she she found herself. She did. She um as you said. She, she, I think, in the in the right opportunity, Morgan would have certainly shown her strength to defend herself, and I believe she did. But what what we witnessed is Morgan showed her strength to benefit others. That's what we were able to witness in her short life. Um, I can tell you that while she was she did many. A number of jobs when she was on Cape Cod, but she, at one point, she was working in a afternoon program for elementary age students, and she she called both Renee and I back to back one afternoon and said, "You need to adopt this kid. Is he had, he was in a foster program and he was." Um, being shipped to a new family away from the Cape on a, onto one of the islands. And it was a kid that Morgan had just become very attached to, and she did not want to see him. She, she, didn't, she didn't want him to leave her sight because she felt like his protector. So, oh you know, I mean, that's not how life works. And both Renee and I yeah. had to explain, Morgan, calm down, this is... We can't do this this afternoon, but we're willing to. That was Morgan's phone call to both of us. Is hey, you need to adopt this kid. Let's come on, just do it. Um, but do you realize you won't be an only child then? Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's just very great and you know unselfish of her and um, and so as I read, you know, and as I saw, you know, she. She became empowered and, and an advocate um, um, for for others, and um, and she was able to stand up for herself as well. And so I encourage everybody to, you know, go to this blog and read, and you'll just see how attentive her parents were throughout her life, and how engaged in the community, and how everybody knows everybody. 
and everybody knows enough of Morgan that she would not have put herself in a situation uh, that she was uh, where that ultimately wound up uh, being the end of her her life. So she she wasn't somebody to just like go jump in anonymous people's vehicles and take off with them. But let's move on to her engagement um, and uh, the, and and the reason why she went to North Carolina, which is where she was actually murdered. And um, so, if you want to go go ahead and share that with our listeners, please. So um, yeah, there's a little bit of a backstory. Um, Morgan had met uh, Phil, Philip Brandon, her fiance on Cape Cod. He was a resident of Edgartown um, on Martha's Vineyard. Um, Super nice guy. We we love Phil. Morgan called him her Phil, and at this point he's our Phil. We're we're in constant contact with him still, and he comes here to visit every time, every chance he gets. But um, so she, she met Philip on Cape Cod, and they dated for several months, and she brought him home to meet the family, um, which as soon as we saw them together, it was, we, we just knew that, we, we knew that everything was right. Morgan was, um, I mean, still the same Morgan that we knew and loved, but she was, we knew that she loved her Phil. We knew that Phil absolutely adored her. Mm -hmm. We could see it. Um, It was amazing. It was amazing to see that these, these two had an epic relationship. And, Mm -hmm. um, as far as the engagement goes, it, it, it was a strange series of events. Philip, Philip is kind of a reserved guy, um, very ambitious, has a great job, has a nice little house in Edgartown, um, a lot going for him, but he, he's not one to stand up for himself and make his dreams happen. Morgan, on the other hand, was, is, was completely driven and said, you know, if you want it, make it happen. So during a, a conversation they had, were having one day, Phil said he he always wanted to be a Marine. After he got out of high school, graduating from high school out in Bakersfield, California, he and a friend were going to join the Marines together, and his friend backed out at the last minute, so it didn't happen. And Morgan said, well, why didn't you do it by yourself? Why don't you do it now? And he said, well, I... I don't know. I, you know, I always said I'm, I'm going to regret it if I don't do it. So Morgan helped him make it happen. It, he he joined, and, and in order for Morgan to do that, uh, the plan that they had was, well, she would put her, she was, she was, had been accepted to Roger Williams School of Law, facing mm-hmm. uh, her own dream to become a, an environmental attorney, she had to defer her enrollment for a year and help Phil get into basic training with the United States Marine Corps um, that summer okay. of 2019. Um, as I say, their relationship was epic and their plan was epic. You know, Phil would finish basic training and come home, uh, basic training in the Marine Corps School of Infantry, then he would come home, they would get married, Morgan would go to school to Roger Williams the following year and use Phil's GI Bill to help with her tuition. Excellent. Smart. Smart. Incredibly smart. These two just, they, they absolutely amazed us with their with their planning, but Morgan was the driving force, yeah. certainly. Mm-hmm. So, it, and mm-hmm. it was all going according to plan. It was, 
you know, Philip went to basic training, and he graduated in early October of 2019. He came home for 10 days, and all was good. They, uh, he had to return to North Carolina, to Jacksonville, North Carolina, at Camp Geiger for the School of Infantry. For and he, he would be graduating from the School of Infantry around Christmas time, and then be home for good. And be he was actually had joined the Marine Corps Reserves, so he would okay. be doing one weekend a month, two weeks a year. Um, they actually the the engagement actually became official uh, soon after he went. He left to go back to North Carolina, and his. Philip's after plan. those 10 days? Yes. Yes, after okay. the 10 days. Um, he was, his, Phil's initial plan was to engage, I'm sorry, to uh, ask Morgan to marry him at Christmas time when he was home for good. But he mm-hmm. became impatient and he asked, <laughs> he asked her over the phone from North Carolina. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And then he called us, or, or actually Morgan told us to call him because, uh, have you know, I'm not sure if you remember, I was also a Marine. Um, yeah, yeah. Morgan, Morgan told us to call him because Phil had some questions about the School of Infantry. So I said, something seems weird here. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure that he has any questions. <laughs> so I called him, and he asked on speakerphone, he asked our, for our blessing, um, and our People permission ask, me. ask Morgan to marry him, and we said, uh, "Of course, I mean, absolutely." You know, <laughs> I, we've seen how you are with Morgan, and we we couldn't ask for a, a we couldn't ask for a better mate. So, right. <laughs> and, and then Phil said, "Well, that's great because I I I, I already asked her on the phone." <laughs> They couldn't. They were so amazing as a couple. Oh gosh, what a beautiful love story! Just how, how surreally well, I can I just tell imagine. You, as his mother, like the moment I knew I was pregnant, right? I just, I knew this child. Yeah going to be amazing. Yes. Yes. And she lived her life amazingly. She certainly did. And I don't know if anybody can possibly know what it's like to go through what you both have been going through other than just to... Feel your grief as now, much as I, you possibly can. It's it's something that we wish that we could fix. I I wouldn't I don't, I don't want any other parents. If if I could fix it, I don't want parents to to feel this. Mm-mm. Unfortunately, I I'm a realist and I understand that's not possible. But right, right. I, I don't because but this was not an accident. Let's get to no. that. No. This was not an accident. So Morgan planned a trip to see him while he was going to be on leave for a couple of days, and that's what brought her to North Carolina, correct? That is yeah. absolutely correct. So okay. they, were, they, had, they had been engaged at that point, 16 days, but had not seen each other since Morgan had accepted Phil's proposal of marriage. Mm-hmm. So on the weekend of Veterans Day, which is November 11, um, and the Marine Corps birthday, November 10, there was, even, even in a, a school setting, Phil was going to be 
he had earned a what's called a 96-hour liberty. They in the Marine Corps they call it a 96. He okay. had four days off from training with restrictions. He had to be back in in his barracks every night, but his, he had those four days to do as he pleased. So Morgan flew to Jacksonville, North Carolina, and to spend those four days with him. On she left because she was she was living in the house that they shared on Martha's Vineyard in Edgartown. So traveling to North Carolina was involved getting on a boat, which she did at, she called me at 5.30 a.m. on November 8, 2019, and she was already on the boat, which did not leave until 6 a.m., but she was so excited to get to North Carolina and see her Phil, her she Marine. She cannot wait to see her Marine. <laughs> she just, yeah, she her Marine, yeah. You know, so she was on the boat at 5.30 a.m. From the boat, he got on a bus in Woods Hole. She rode the bus to Logan Airport, flew from Logan Airport to LaGuardia Airport in New York, got on another flight from LaGuardia to Charlotte, North Carolina. From Charlotte, she took a connector to Jacksonville, North Carolina, and then an Uber to our hotel room that she had reserved. In Jacksonville. Had, in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So she arrived at her hotel room at a, roughly 6.15 p.m. So she had been traveling for almost 13 hours. Right. Right. And she let us know via text message that she was there, she was safe, you know, she was in in a great mood. She was joking with us, um, just very anxious to get settled in. At 8 a.m. the following morning, Phil would be released for the his first day that they could spend together. And and she, let's jump ahead just a little bit, and then we'll back back up. Okay, instead of that happening she was she wound up somehow in a truck of two marines that she did not know no she did not know them yeah so she she's like as i said she arrived in jacksonville at roughly 6:15 p.m. and um so about Four and a half hours later, she was killed in a crash 15 miles outside of Jacksonville on a dead-end road in the middle of nowhere with two Marine Corps police officers that were complete strangers. To her. To her, to us, to Phil. To anyone we know. To anyone we know. So they were Marine Corps police officers. Uh-huh. Correct. Uh-huh. Okay. I knew they were in the Marines, uh, and I knew that one of them was still pursuing a career in uh, with the police. I, but I was not aware of the fact that they were uh, police officers. I must have missed that somehow. So thank you for that information. Um, Two Marine Corps police officers. And they, okay, and they wound, so she wound up in a fatal car, truck crash. They both survived. She did not. Yes. Yes. Okay. So let's back up to her going out to eat. Right. And so, and where the, these two uh, pieces of something that I can't say on air uh, came to play. <laughs> so 
after she checked into her hotel, she uh, she got shit. She, obviously, she showered, um, got out of her travel clothes, uh, checked her emails. She told us about some emails that she got about a, one about a job interview. She was communicating with us the whole time via text message, and she was communicating mm-hmm. with Phil as well, letting him okay. know that she had arrived safely. And then, obviously, she was hungry. She told us that there was an Applebee's restaurant that shared the same parking lot as her hotel. She could actually see the lights from Applebee's through her window. Um, And that's where she was going to go get something to eat, even though we suggested that she get something delivered um, and just sit tight until the next morning when, when Phil could be there with her. Because I'm, I'm, you know, 30 years ago, I was familiar with Jacksonville and, you know, military towns sure. in general. And sure. we had warned Morgan to not be roaming around by herself. Right. But right. She, could see the, she could see the lights through the window. She felt safe. It was the same parking lot. It was just a few feet from the stairs from her room, sure. she mm-hmm. went. Uh, she went under every single light that was lit throughout mm-hmm. to get to the door of Applebee's, and she was safe. She knew how to be safe. Right, right, right. You taught her well. Yes, yes. Okay. So she, so sure. I mean, many of us know that we've been to hotels where there's a um, a restaurant that's either attached to it or that's in the same parking lot. So it's perfect, you know. So she went into the Applebee's, and um, it's my understanding that everybody she came into contact there with, as far as people that worked there. In a matter of a few minutes, they knew that she was engaged and there to meet her marine. She told she told them all. Yes, she told um, you know the witnesses there, the the bartender and the um, one of the servers slash bartender who was also helping out at the bar that night said that she, Morgan was very open about the fact that she was there to see Phil, who would be released at at eight o'clock the next morning. She ordered a salad and she ordered a beer and she. Mm-hmm sat there for a couple of hours just killing time. Um, the bartender actually, in his statement, sounded a little bit annoyed that she was taking up space and not spending a lot of money, you know, at, <laughs> at the bar. Sure. Um, at some point while she was sitting there, the two Marine Corps police officers who were seated on the opposite side of a horseshoe-shaped bar and mm-hmm. likely had overheard all of her conversations saying that she was there alone and that she had just gotten into town. Um, they left their seats and uh, sat down in two seats adjacent to Morgan and engaged in conversation. Um, they offered to buy her a shot, and there are mixed statements from the staff as to whether she accepted or she didn't so we're not we're not sure what transpired there but um, the one statement that is clear is somewhere around 1030 p.m. one of the Marines left Applebee's through the front door and a few minutes later, Morgan left her seat and went to the restroom. The bartender at that point went into the kitchen to get supplies for the bar, and when he came out, the, all three of them were gone and never returned to their seats. And that's what and later realized that Morgan had not paid for her salad and her beer. So... Nobody saw Morgan leave or how she left or whether she left of her own free will or whether she was... not went to the restaurant without paying her bill 
right? I mean, she does not have a history of that. No, and Morgan Morgan had worked double shifts that summer at a restaurant in Edgartown. Uh, she made really good money, but when she got stiffed on a tip, let alone a bill, she would call us and say, you know, have choice words for <laughs> about the situation. <laughs> right. Right. So she wouldn't do that to somebody, in other words. No, no. absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Um, so he comes, so he, so they, there are witnesses that saw the one Marine get up and, and go. A few minutes later, she got up to go to the ladies' room. They did not leave together, correct? Correct. But there is a rear exit in the Applebee's restaurant right next, right just outside the ladies' room. Um, so the second Marine that was still at the bar, nobody remembers when or how he left, which, which way he went out. But hmm. the only thing that is, that is known is Morgan never came back to her seat after she went to the restroom. Okay. And there's no cameras. That was a question that I was going to ask you. Yeah. There was, it, it, I, I, I'm not sure why. I don't even know how they can be insured. Applebee's, at the busiest intersection in Jacksonville, North Carolina, there are absolutely no cameras. They can help and us. Nothing in the parking lot. Nothing. And I know I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking moot questions at at this point, obviously, you know, but because I'm sure you've been through all of this. But there was nothing in the hotel parking lot because she was able to walk over. Now she did not rent a car, correct? She did not. No. There are there were cameras at the hotel. Um, only one of them. Uh, showed gave us an angle that was of any help at all, and so we we watched the footage. Even though the um, the de- the detective that was first assigned this case and the prosecutor told us that there was nothing to see on any of the footage, we watched the cameras, the camera footage, and one of them is crystal clear. We could see Morgan walking to Applebee's, but it doesn't. Oh. It doesn't show enough of the Applebee's parking lot to show how she left Applebee's. But that that same camera was allowed us to determine that Morgan never returned to her room. Right. On that night. Right. And that's that's huge. Yes. That's that's a big deal. Yes. Um, and it was determined that she somehow wound up in their vehicle because of the crash site. And, uh, and the name of the town, I know it's in Jones County, it's no longer in Jackson County, I don't believe, but it was right outside of Jacksonville, as you shared with me. Uh, and it's a, a, a little town on the outskirts of it, right? Correct. The town of Maysville, North Carolina. Mays, Maysville, that's right. Maysville, North Carolina. And that is where the crash happened. And it's. I know that there's conflicting um, reports regarding just how fast um, this one Marine was, was driving anything from like 80 up to, you know, 90 plus, correct? So, yes. So it was estimated on the night of the crash, it was estimated by EMS workers that the vehicle was traveling in the neighborhood of 80 miles per hour. Okay. The, there was a search warrant issued the following day to retrieve the, the, um, data recorder from the truck, which determined that there was some value, valuable information gathered from that, that the truck was traveling, according to the data recorder, 86 miles per hour when okay. it left the road. Um, however, oh. the, the truck 
the owner of the truck, Hunter Wells, the owner and the driver, he had, his grandfather had recently bought this truck for him, and in true redneck style, the first thing he did was put big tires on it and bigger wheels and never had the speedometer calibrated. So if you take the, the tire size and do the simple math, he, the truck was actually traveling, traveling 92 miles per hour when it left the oh. road. So, and that's how, okay, so when it crashed, did it go, did it go, like, did the car tip and roll, or did it crash into a tree, or what did it run the truck, into? The truck left, as, as it was described in, and illustrated in the crash report, the truck left the road abruptly. This is uh, White Oak River Road in Maysville, North Carolina. It left the road abruptly on the right side, and then it crossed back over both lanes, left the road on the left side, and struck a tree. At that point, traveling at 70 miles per hour when it hit the tree. After it hit the tree, it rolled several times. Um, the truck was actually in three pieces by the time it landed. Um, the cab was separated from the frame and the bed was separated from the frame. And uh, the interesting thing about the data recorder is the brakes were never applied after the, when the truck left the road. I saw that. Now, was it determined where Morgan was sitting in the truck? The only, the only determining factor is the initial statement from the driver. Is he stated that Morgan was in the middle of the rear seat when the truck crashed. Okay. Which I know he's gone silent now, but we'll get into that on the next show. Um, uh, so she was sitting in the middle. Now, Morgan's right-handed? She is, yes. So her, so, it, and it has been a thought of yours that she tried to stop the vehicle or, or something, like, because you say it was abrupt. So she must have done something to try to, so, I mean, let's cut to the chase. You believe she was abducted, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and one of the Marines had a, had a gun. A gun was found on the site. So... Have you thought that it was possible that she was threatened and, you know, to come with them or, you she, know, there we, could be. Yeah, we, we believe that she was either, she was coerced or she was uh, physically taken from Applebee's in that truck. We believe that one of the two, for, for certain, Yes, yeah, because this is this is Morgan Patton who would not just jump in somebody's vehicle while she's there to see her fiance. She wouldn't, yeah. anyways. That's not her. That's not absolutely not. Yeah, that's that's not the young lady that anybody knows. Anybody knows her to be. So Morgan was apparently seemingly in the in the middle of the back seat and you feel that she was trying to save her own life and somehow get off the road or was there another were there other cars or other vehicles uh there at this time or was it the back road or so white oak river road is a is a uh, a typical two-lane road, um, but it's it technically is a dead-end road. Um, right. It goes nowhere. Okay. Um, it actually ends at and and one a gated entrance to Hoffman Forest, which is 
owned by, uh, I, I believe, uh, UNC, University of North Carolina, this 40,000-acre Hoffman Forest. Okay. Um, so do you think that she was tra- they were trying to take her there? I, they were trying to take her somewhere. Somewhere. Um, we believe that they were taking her somewhere, and we know that there was a gun in the truck. We right. we believe that wherever, whatever was happening, Morgan was not going to live through the night, uh, whatever their intentions were. Um, yeah. We also believe that she became very aware of that and fought for her life. Unfortunately, losing it as a result. Yes. Questions that you have. Why was Morgan's bill at Applebee's unpaid? Why did nobody at Applebee's see her leave? Why was the truck doing 93 miles an hour on a dead-end road in Maysville? Why did the truck leave the road in the first place prior to entering the curve? Why were the brakes never applied after leaving the roadway? These are all coming from the blog, listeners. Uh, Why did Morgan have DNA from two subjects embedded under her fingernails? Mm -hmm. Why was there a gun in the truck? Why did Wells tell officers that he would tell the story after he spoke to an attorney, then invoke his rights? to remain silent immediately once he received a court-appointed attorney. Mm-hmm. Wells is one of the Marines. Why does Cornwall change his story every time he is confronted? Cornwall is the other Marine. And the yes. list goes on. Yes, it does. Yes. Now... Was there ever a reconstruction of this accident done? There was not. The there was not a reconstruction done. We requested it on two separate occasions. Um, on the and the investigation on the night of the crash was uh, less than ideal. There were. And- I'm sorry? No, you go ahead, please. Oh, I'm saying, so the, the, um, the, the, the crash was reported by a neighbor at 10.51 p.m., and that, that same neighbor uh, was the first person to be at the scene of the crash. It was literally across the street from his house. Um, the first officer to arrive at the scene was 20 minutes later and the first words out of his mouth were this was a crime scene the road needs to be closed however 50 minutes later he called a Jacksonville towing company and he said bring a full crew with rakes and shovels and two trucks and make sure this is cleaned up by daylight what? How many minutes later was that? that was After 50, he said that this is a crime scene. Fifty minutes. Five zero. Five zero. Yes. Enough time to recognize that these were Marines and potentially some protections needed to be put into place. Yes. Exactly. And at that point, Morgan was, she had been pronounced DOA by EMS, but she was not identified. But the thought was, um, and and kind of a, I have to backtrack a little bit because the driver, Hunter Wells, made, he borrowed a phone from the neighbor and made two phone calls this the first phone call, real quickly, I'll tell you, was to his wife, and he lied. He was married. He lied to his wife and said that he and Cornwall had hit another car, and he thought that they killed a girl in, another, in the other car. The second, uh-huh. she, 
she hung up on him because he, he were going back to their redneck life. She was in bed with another guy. Um, oh, my God. What a mess. Yes, it's a huge mess. But So he made a second phone call to his platoon sergeant, and his platoon sergeant was at Naval Hospital along with the company gunnery sergeant from their unit when he arrived by ambulance at Naval Hospital. And she has reported that they thought the dead girl on the scene was also a Marine. Who reported that? That's the uh, platoon sergeant for Hunter Wells, the driver. Okay. So at, after the crash, while it's being cleaned up, it was thought, because Morgan was unidentified, they could not, could not find her identification, it was believed that all three involved in the crash were Marines from Camp Lejeune. Okay. It was okay. not until really very early in the morning when she was identified as a civilian as Morgan Patton. During the process of the early investigation, it was thought that she was a, she was also a Marine. Okay. We only have a couple of minutes left of this of uh, this show tonight, and uh, we will carry this on uh, next Sunday, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Yeah, we are. Um, this is a series until this story is told thoroughly and um but but before we close out um for for tonight and we will pick up right where we left off um and i to me it's not asking prematurely because i just want people to write the number down and if they already feel that they've heard enough to make a phone call on your behalf and on morgan's behalf for the investigation to be moved into another area. Um, I want you to give them that information, what you're asking for from our our listeners um, to make a phone call. And uh, uh, because you have formally asked the governor to turn this over, correct? Yes, I have. Uh, investigation. Yes, we, we've, we've not, and, and we can get into it next week, um, We've yeah. not been pleased with the uh, investigation that has happened or the, the lack of investigation in Onslow County. Um, so I have actually requested that the Governor Roy Cooper um, put the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigations in the lead uh, on this investigation. I've spoken with the State Bureau of Investigation and uh, the, the special agent in charge in the Jacksonville office um, stated that they need either an investigating body or a, an elected official to um, assign them or, or ask them to take over the investigation. And so, do you have that telephone number handy? I do. I just brought it up. Okay. Um, so I, what we're asking is people to call Governor Roy Cooper's office and and request that they make it happen. Um, the number is area code 919-814-2000. Okay. Uh, Stephen, Renee, I want to thank you for coming on tonight. I'm going to close this out uh, right now uh, with a with a, a piece of uh, your daughter's writing. And please, listeners, uh, and thank you for tuning in. Please, listeners, make that phone call. I know it's the first phone call I am making uh, tomorrow morning because I know this is a recent outreach that you have uh, asked. Um, I am quoting Morgan. Morgan Patton, mom and dad are everywhere I go. I can thank them for the life that they have given me. I can hear my thoughts and dreams. I can hear my voice as they listen to me, to my song that they passed down to me. And that is a quote. Um, this is a song uh, that uh, Morgan Patton 
wrote about her amazing upbringing and her parents, her family. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Tanya Hathaway with Steve and Renee Patton on Marty Oakley's TS Radio Network and Stephen Burke City 9.9, 89.5, KLRB, FM, Lighthouse Christian Radio. Thank you so much. God bless. Good night. And tune in next Sunday at the same time.